the lesson today. Go with me, if you would, to uh, the little book of 1 John, chapter 2, and then I'll get myself prepared. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 29. <laughs> I'll get myself situated here a minute. But let's look at the verses first, and then we'll uh, go on and I love the endearment of this apostle who's writing uh, some uh, 57 years after the death of our Savior. Uh, there's no telling exactly how old of a man John is at this time. We don't know how old he was when he was walking with Christ. Was he in his late teens? Was he in his early 20s? We don't know exactly. But uh, we know, he, you know he's been serving the Lord faithfully for working with the Lord for the three years of the Lord's earthly ministry, and now 57 years after his death, so 60 years in the ministry, the beloved apostle. um, As far as church tradition, he's the only apostle who died a natural death. All the rest of the apostles died as martyrs uh, based on church tradition. And... um, we see here, as he starts this passage out in verse 18, he says, like I said, God the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this, and this this phrase, little children. He's talking to people maybe my age and older, and but he's talking to God's little children. I mean, to me, as you get to thinking of how how does your Heavenly Father approach you? Do you think he's sitting there with a stick waiting for you to mess up? You know, and just slap your hand or so. That that isn't the way our Heavenly Father approaches us. He loves us. Loves us so much he sent Jesus to the cross for us. And his, his, this little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us. They were not of us. For if, it, if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction, or now another phrase for that would be anointing, from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is to Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning... If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received from him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when, ye shall, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Now, John is dealing with a very serious problem here that uh, there was in those churches. There were enemies in the churches at that day and time. Um, John begins by reminding them of something that they had already heard, and they, that Antichrist shall come, and they had heard it because Jesus had said, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him will you receive. And that's in John 5:43. Paul also mentioned the Antichrist in Ephesians 2, uh, second Ephesians, rather, uh, Thessalonians, get my tongue untied, uh, chapter 2 and verse 3. And so this was not new information to them about Antichrist. Uh, next he tells them, even now are they many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter uh, 1. And in Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And the thing that we're going to look at is that we have been in the last days since Jesus uh, came. And it tells us here in Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 1, God who in sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir to all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. So the time of the Gentiles, as the scriptures talk about, uh, once Jesus Christ came on the scene, we've been in the, in the last days, in the times of the Gentiles. The Christ came to the Jewish nation. The, the Jews rejected Christ. Then the apostles reached out to the Jewish nation, and they rejected the apostles all the way up to the point that they stoned Stephen. From that moment on, you see the gospel being through the apostle Paul mainly, but Peter also went to the Gentiles. And it's been the times of the Gentiles, and it will be until the Lord comes back. And um, and during the um, time here that a lot of people use uh, the word Antichrist to describe the man that will come up during the time of the tribulation. But if you notice in our text, he talks that there's many Antichrists. And what he's using here is to describe false teachers. And if there's one thing that a church needs to be much in guard about is false teaching. Um, you look at the church in Galatia and how frustrated Paul was with that church. Well, you wonder, well, how, you know, okay, false teaching. Uh, you know, well, here's this. If you're saved by grace through faith, you've accepted the free gift of your sins being washed away, but then... You allow somebody to confuse you and believe now you got to, okay, yeah, Christ kind of did part of it, but now you got to work and you got to live a certain way and you got to, you know, walk by works now. Okay, you're saved, you're going to go to heaven, but there's a likelihood no one else in that church will ever go to heaven because you're no longer given a clear doctrine. You're no longer given a clear message. There's a reason Paul just got really upset with that church. And even uh, to ask God to kill the people who were teaching that stuff. I mean, it is an amazing thing when you read about the life of Paul. He had people attack him and attack him and attack him. He just bore up to it. But when people attacked one of the Lord's churches, 
He got very excited about that. Uh, wanted the Lord to deal with it because the church is the instrument that God uses to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so an attack on him, just go for it. But an attack on the church, that's an opportunity for someone in the future to get saved that might be hindered. And so it's something that all of us will be very excited about. Being very confident and knowing what we believe and why we believe it and having ears to hear when someone is giving false doctrine and deal with it. You know, um, I had a pastor that, that I got saved under, Brother Joe Hawking, a fine man, and he, he sat there and he said, if you ever get a preacher in a pulpit and he's starting to teach heresy, he said, you go to him individually first and find out, did you just misspeak or did you mishear it? But if if you didn't mishear it and he stands by what he's teaching, you get two or three others and you go talk to him. And if he's still standing by it, then you bring him before the church. And he said, don't, don't just fire him, but you get his ordination stripped from him and his license stripped from him. You don't want to send him down the road so he can mess with somebody else. And the same thing is true of teachers or anybody else. If they're, if they're not standing by the stuff, the church needs to deal with it. And John is very, and the reason I say all that is this, there's none of that going on in our church, don't think that I know of, there's none of that happening, but what I'm trying to say is, if you want to really mess up our country, mess up the churches. The church, I mean, the reason we're in the mess that we're in today is because the churches have not been faithful to stand by the stuff and sit there and reach their community for Christ. And then you have a lot of people without God the Holy Spirit listening to what's being broadcast out there making fleshly decisions. It ought not surprise us when lost people act like lost people. What's really a bad thing is when Christians act like lost people. But the thing is, the only way we're going to know for sure they're getting saved in churches is if churches know what they believe and why they believe it and they insist that the Word of God is the instrument that's used to instruct. So we pick up here in the lesson that uh, the word Antichrist is being used here is talking about false teachers, and in John's time, the agnostics were the ones filling that role. And uh, the agnostics' doctrine, basically, if you look at the dictionary uh, version of it, is a system of mystical, religious, and philosophical doctrines combining Christianity with Greek and Oriental philosophy. Now, does that sound like a mess? That's what it was. It, it was a mess. And they sit there, and uh, a man named H.E. Uh, Dana wrote, he said, the watchword for agnosticism was built upon a root which meant to know by inward perception or personal experience. Agnostics claimed that their theories were just a higher development of redemptive message. And that's why John said in verse 21 of our text that no lie is of the truth. In other words, you can't go and take, try to add to God's word. Don't sit there and say, well, yeah, we kind of believe Jesus, but then you got to add this and you got to add this and you got to add this. I never will forget a preacher one time sit there and he had a sign. He said Jesus and then he had church membership. Take away church membership. What do you got? You got Jesus and that's good enough. Amen. And then he sit there and said, baptism, Jesus and baptism. He said, you take away baptism. What do you got? You got Jesus. 
And he said, and you don't need to add any, there, there's nothing wrong with church membership, nothing wrong with baptism, there's nothing wrong with taking communion. All these things are good to do, but the main thing is don't muddy the water when it comes to what true salvation is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, um, what they did was, um, you know, you know, what they would do is they would take their feelings and their beliefs and their experiences. How many of you ever woke up some morning and felt almost lost? I mean, you just felt bad. You were in a bad mood. You woke up on the wrong side. I mean, how would you really like to have to base, are you going to heaven or hell on how you feel today? How many of you ever caught a virus and just really didn't feel good at all? You know, but they, they'd sit there and they tried to use their experiences well, since this happened to me, I wonder what God's trying to tell me. And sometimes the Lord does tune us up and do things and stuff. But the thing is, you can't add to the Word of God. And that's what they would do. They would try to develop a theory that went along with it. Now, you may ask, well, how does that affect us today? Um, how many in the charismatic churches, have you got any friends or anything that belong to charismatic churches, and they'll sit there and they'll say they went to... A wedding, even. I've been at weddings before, and somebody will say, God has given me a word. Uh, God has told me. I guarantee you, God the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you anything that didn't come from this. Because he inspired it. And then if you go to the end of the book of Revelation, he tells you what God will do if you go adding to the book. He'll mess with you. Because you're messing with the clear plan of salvation. And that's the reason when you get a group like the Mormons who've come up with their own book to add to it, they're, they're not in the will of God. You go to the Jehovah Witness and they've got their own, they're not in the will of God. Uh, you, you just gotta realize what God, God has given us the full revelation. Now we'll talk a little more about how God the Holy Spirit guides us and understanding it and applying it to our life. And we'll see that in our passages here. But as far as me just getting up here and trying to say, God has given me a word for you today, well, you better ask Rick where he got the chapter and verse to go with it. Or I need to be one of those false teachers that you're showing the door to. You know, you may still let me come to church, but you ought not let me crack open a Bible and get up here in front of y'all if I'm trying to share with you my thoughts. And uh, and not being able to support it with Scripture, we see that um, they got to the point where, the, uh, based on their belief of acquiring knowledge, these antichrists concluded that Jesus was not the Messiah. And John tells them in verse twenty-two and twenty-three, uh, we'll read the verses. He said, "Who is a liar?" But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. You know, a lot of false churches in our day and time, they will not deny that there is a Jesus but they'll emphasize something else more. They'll either, institu- they'll either emphasize the institution 
other words, they'll teach you basically that Christ died for the church, and then if you'll accept communion and do different things and join the church, the church will get you to where you need to be. That isn't salvation. That That's glorifying the institution. There's others that uh, don't, they'll sit there and they'll tell you that Jesus was a created being. There's several of the churches, the, the Mormons and others, they'll teach you that Jesus is not God the Son, but he is a created being. And uh, and so you need to realize right off the bat, they don't got the same Jesus you got. And, and they're not teaching the same Jesus. They're adding to. And the Bible, John is very specific here about telling them that if they don't, if they don't accept Jesus Christ, they don't have the Father either. So if it's not of the Father, where, where are you hoping to go when this life is over? You're hoping to go to heaven, right? And be with the Father. Well, if you, if, if the, if you're not doing it through the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have the Father either. You know, the scriptures are very clear about it. Now, what we notice about them um, is that uh, they they leave the church. In this deal, in the next verse here, we'll look at verse 19. He uses a contrast between they and us, and the words used 12 different times in this one little verse. In verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that they were not all of us. The um, the thing to realize here is that um, they went out that they might be man- They left the church. Um, they... It, the scriptures indicate that it was probably in accordance with divine plan, but it was their own free will that they left the church. But evidently what the scriptures is teaching us here, it was God's, God was okay with that. They had, they had heard the gospel. They had rejected the gospel. But then they had stayed behind and tried to mess with the church. And, but they left the church. And the thing that we can draw from that is when someone leaves the church family for whatever reason, if they feel led that God the Holy Spirit is leading them to another body because they can be useful, they've got talents or skill sets that that church may need. It may be a small church, and maybe they got skill sets and stuff that God can put to work. God the Holy Spirit moves people. He does. But the thing is... If they leave this body, but they feel led that they have to pick up the telephone or get on the email or get somewhere else and start tearing apart God's family that they have left, you need to, you just need to let them go. Just need to just let them go. You need to realize, the thing, it says a lot about somebody about what they say about other Christians. You know, another Christian may not necessarily be doing just right, but guess what? That's between them and their Heavenly Father. And God's God's dealing with their children. He always will deal with his children. But in their case, these people left 
But then we're going to see in verse 26 that they tried to lead others astray with them. And you always have to ask yourself, you know, you know, any of y'all that have been in church work very long at all know what I'm talking about. There's those that not, they can't just leave for whatever reason, but they got to make sure you understand exactly why they left. And they got a long list of the, the and, the, and they, they got to find, you know, well, you know, bless his heart, but that song leader just never could, you know, uh, you know, they got to find something, or is that Sunday school teacher that they lit up there on Wednesday night? But you know, but you know, they, you know, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. But the, you know, but they're also on the phone or in the emails, or they're busy. Let me ask you this: How's that helping that body? You know, how's that helping that church by saying those things, doing those things? You know, how could God the Holy Spirit be the one behind it, inspiring you to say those things or do those things? You know, and so we see here that these false teachers, that they finally got to a point where either they there was enough friction that they left, but they didn't leave quietly. And they're, they're a bit, after they tried to tear up the body from the inside, now they're on the peripheral Still trying to pick off people, trying to cause trouble. We see um, in their attempt to lead other people astray. Um, let's go with me, if you would, to First uh, Timothy chapter four. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll look at verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, well, if I get into the right book, it'll help. 2 Timothy isn't the same as 1 Timothy. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. But in the latter times, it's going to pick up the pace, the seducing spirits. But he tells us... um, the, the, I guess the thing to realize and what uh, John wants us to understand is just because somebody can quote scripture or they try to use some scripture at least in what they're saying, don't believe they necessarily have you or the church body in the best interest. You know, there, there are plenty of people out there that... Uh, when they run for political office, all of a sudden they can quote all sorts of scripture and they can do this and that. But, um, you know, I found it amazing uh, with a couple of the candidates who were very liberal uh, in their beliefs uh, and, and stuff like that. But when they finally released their tax records, even though they had over a million dollar income, they'd given less than $2,000 to charity. I found that very interesting. It seems to me like they're very liberal with your money, 
But if it costs any of their own money, they don't really have time for the issue. Uh, but there are people who don't have, the, they, they quote, they do, they, they act out Christianity, but they don't have your best interests at heart. And, and so you have to be cautious about it. Um, but he also tells us that, uh, in verse 24, that if you're a Christian, you have everything you need to detect seducing tactics of false teachers. Let's look at verse 24, and then we'll read some more. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. Now, what he's telling us in these scriptures here is, first of all, that we have the Word of God to direct us. He also tells us that... um, we have uh, the Holy Spirit in uh, verse 20. He used the phrase, he goes, but you have an unction from the Holy One or an anointing. It's the same phrase that's used in verse 27 and used as anointing he's, uh, where it says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it is taught you, ye shall abide in him. Notice who it keeps referring to who we should abide in. You know, we abide in Christ. We're to cast our cares upon Christ. This dependency that Christ insists that we have upon him. But the the thing that he's sharing with us here is that we have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us in what to, so that when someone comes at you, even though they're talking quote unquote church talk, but they're not sharing the truth, you can have the discernment to know that you're not hearing the truth. And, and because God the Holy Spirit will lead you in His Word. Now the thing is though, there's a third component to this. What if you don't read your Bible? You know, what if you're haphazard in your attendance of church and the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God? How can God the Holy Spirit help you discern and lead your thoughts to a scripture that supports that what you're hearing is falsehood or the truth if you don't, if you don't study to find yourself approved? You know, so we, we need to be students of the Word of God so that God the Holy Spirit who inspired the Word of God can lay it on our heart that, uh, you know, you talk real sweet, but you're not giving me what I need. You're, you're not telling the truth. You won't fall victim to seducing spirits. Um, you also, um, We, uh, I'm trying to decide uh, some verses here that I got that I could go to for time's sake. But he sits there and he makes a phrase there uh, in verse 20. It sits there and says, But you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Today you got saved, did you know all things? Do you know everything there is to know? No, you don't. But, God, the Holy Spirit, can help you discern when you're hearing falsehood. 
God the Holy Spirit will give you a peace about something or he will not give you a peace about something. But one of the things that also, like I said, is coming down to a point of relying on God. You know, how much of our life, you know, how many of you have ever got up late or got, you know, something interrupted your normal routine? You didn't take the time to stop and go ahead and read your Bible anyway. You didn't stop and have prayer. You're halfway through your day. And then you get this phone call and you're supposed to make a quick decision about something. In business, it happens a lot. Well, what's the likelihood that you're going to be as in tune as you should be to make the right choices? You know, it's important to realize where our wisdom comes from. You know, you're asked to make choices, and I, I used this illustration once before in an earlier lesson. When Joseph was in the prison and the baker was there, he asked the baker to remember him to Pharaoh and get him out. Because he didn't like being in prison. Would you agree with me? And so based on the information he had at the time, the best thing that could happen to me is I get out and get to go home to my family. And so he, you know, that, that sounded like a real wise way to pray. I mean, he had to want it and be praying that way or he wouldn't have asked the butler to remember him to Pharaoh. But then the butler didn't for two years. But what would have happened if he had remembered him and Pharaoh had said, well, that's unjust, and cut him loose? And then he'd gone home before he got a chance to become the prime minister. And he'd gone home and he had told his dad what his brothers had done to him. And then dad sit there and say, yeah, and they've let me over these 13 or 14 years believe you got ate up by a wild animal. They brought your coat home covered in blood and let me believe that. Just think what that would have done to that family at that time. And then the famine would have come some years later and the family would have starved. Plus, just think how Joseph would have looked at those 12 to 14 years in prison as wasted years. But in God's perfect timing, two years later, he's brought out and interprets a dream for Pharaoh, becomes the prime minister, and then later is able to bring his whole family down into Egypt and take care of them, their needs, during the famine. Well, the thing is, you make decisions every day based on the best information you have right now, right? But guess who knows the future? Our Father. And the thing is, if we'll be prayed up, if we'll be in his word, if we'll have our heart in tune, there'll just be discernment. That's not natural, but you'll have an indication in your heart about how to guide your family, your finances. There's just different things that God, the Holy Spirit, can give us because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but our Heavenly Father does. And so it's important that we not only know the Word of God, know that we're saved so that we got the Holy Spirit, but that we submit ourselves to it. That dependency, as John says here, about being uh, abiding in Christ, being surrendered to him. You know, it's just, uh, it's just something that is a resource to us that we too easily blow off until such a time as God pulls us up short and reminds us just how dependent we are on. But wouldn't it have been better if we'd have just been daily 
in submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you may ask, well, how to do that? Well, the best way I know to do that is be in his word and be in prayer and ask God for guidance that day. And then, and then try to, as we're going to look here in the lesson, it said that, uh, we'll look at the verses. It said, now little children in verse 28, abide in him that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. There is a Christian walk that we're supposed to try to walk. And we know the scriptures. We know what's expected of us. We know how we should live. We know that we're all going to fall short, but... The thing is, we don't have to, we, we need to strive not to fall short. We need to strive to please our Heavenly Father with our walk. There, you know, when something bad has ever come into your life, what's one of the first things you do as a Christian? Yeah, you pray, but after a little bit, do you do a little inventory? And am I getting whooped for this? Am I getting whooped, you know? You know, the thing is, God God doesn't whoop his children and not they not know what it's for. But I know me, I've done a little checklist sometimes when something happens. I, I'm, am I, is this a trial that God's trying to teach me something? Well, if that's true, then there's a, there's a blessing at the end of it. If I'm getting jerked up short because I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing or I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing, there isn't no blessing at the end of it. There's just Rick needs to stop this real quick. But the best thing is, is it's never to have done it. And, and so we have an opportunity to live righteously. The, the thing is, is anyone going to live righteously perfectly? Or any of us righteous? I mean, the Bible teaches that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But the thing is, what God, Jesus said many a time, that good fruit comes from good trees, Sweet water comes from a sweet well. In other words, you can look at the whole of a person's life and you can see a trending in a person's life and you can realize your spirit will tell you that you're in the presence of a brother or sister in Christ because their life, there'll be faults because we all have them, but there'll be a walk that bears out that they love the Lord and they're trying to serve the Lord. And the thing is, we need to, when our Lord comes back, he's telling us that we don't want to be ashamed. We want to have confidence when we see our Lord. And that's a reference to, as a child, are we bringing, a, are we bringing honor and glory to his name, or are we bringing shame to the family name as Christians? And we need to be striving for the better. And when we're walking, you know, people have asked me before, I wish I knew what God's will for my life is. I've always said the same thing. Get busy doing the things God's already revealed to you, and then you'll be right where you're supposed to be when he wants to lay the next thing on you, the guidance and direction for your life. But, you know, if you're not busy doing what he taught you in Bible 101, he isn't going to be teaching you Bible 103. We're still dealing with Bible 101, whatever the lesson God tried to teach you before, and you didn't want to accept it. Well, I guarantee if God thought it was important the first time, he hasn't changed his mind. 
And he's going to continue to work on you on whatever that is until you submit to it. And then he's ready to teach you the next thing. But if you notice in these scriptures, he warns us about false teachers. Now, if he's warning us that there's false teachers, why would he, why would God the Holy Spirit warn us about them? Because they're a reality. All you got to do is get on Christian radio, Christian television, and stuff like that, and you can find them. You know, they're, they're out there. They're, they're, there's false teachers out there, and he's warning us that they're going to be out there. But guess what? You don't have to be seduced by them because you've got God the Holy Spirit in your heart. You've got God's holy word, and if you'll abide in Christ, you'll have the resources to realize it. You'll see them for what they are, and, and you won't fall into that. But the way you abide in Christ is you walk the Christian walk. And of course, you got to do that by asking for the grace daily to do that. So be in your word, be in prayer, be walking the Christian walk. And when seducing spirits come your way, they, they won't cause grief in your life. Anybody have any thoughts or comments? I appreciate your good attention. If not, then Brother John, how about closing as a word of prayer?